FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Carrie Lutz. Well, today is 8-12-20, and you've probably been watching what's going on in Seattle, in Chicago, in Portland. And on the one hand, it's very disconcerting to just see the law being totally ignored, the police being held back from enforcing the law. And on the other hand, maybe this is the last gasp of the violent left. They know that their their jihad has failed and now they're giving it one last shot. Well, let's see what our good friend Dr. Steve Turley has to say, turleytalks.com. And if you got any questions for Dr. Steve or myself, kl at kerrylutz.com. Dr. Steve, great to have you back as always to breed a little optimism and a little insight into what these maniacs are doing here. (laughs) Great to be with you, Kerry, as always. Absolutely. So what's the upshot here? What's really happening? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Well, you, you got it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of frustration, obviously, going on. And, and if it feels like our country is is unraveling, in one sense, it is. And uh, but I would what I would point to is that it's primarily unraveling within the left. I think what we're seeing here in Portland and and Seattle and Chicago is, uh, in effect, the left. Not the left versus the right, not conservatives versus liberals. The the real disruption that's going on, the real war that the civil war that's broken out is the left versus the left. And what you're seeing, in effect, is uh, probably better put a new left versus an old left. So you've got the new BLM, you know, the ethnocentric uh, BLM sort of Antifa left versus the old guard, the old white liberal uh, guard. You know, uh, we're seeing sort represented by the mayors of Seattle and, and Portland. And um, and I think this is an old guard uh, that did not expect this uprising to happen. I think it caught them totally off guard. And, they, and this is also why I don't think they really knew what to do when it happened, because they knew these were their constituents that were flipping out and destroying things and robbing and looting. And now they're, they're paying for their inaction. They're, they're they're having to step up again, like we're seeing with the mayors in Portland, Wheeler particularly, who keep in mind just a few weeks ago was an avid uh, pro-Antifa apologist. Uh, we forget that back in uh, two, October 2018, this uh, uh, mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, actually allowed Antifa activists to block streets and harass drivers throughout his city. Uh, he forbidden the police to interfere in that. It was so bad, his dereliction due so bad, Senator Ted Cruz actually called for federal investigations into Wheeler's actions. Well, now he's had to come out and admit that they're actually attempting murder, which is what he talked about the other day. Fox reported it. I think it was even on Fox News. And, and he said, yeah, I got to admit it. These guys are actually trying to kill police officers by setting a precinct on fire with law enforcement inside the building. So what we're actually seeing now is we're seeing leftists versus leftists here. And as a result, the cities are imploding. Yeah. And that 
Look, I mean, the cities stopped being like the hot seat of innovation and productivity in the country probably 60 years ago. Perhaps you could make the argument after the race riots of the mid 60s. And they've been in a state of pronounced decline. A lot of times it's been disguised like like Minneapolis was perceived generally as a growing, flourishing metropolis and things were getting better there. But under the surface, all of this uh, discontent and all of this anti-Americanism was festering. And you get guys like Keith Ellison, who basically lie about exactly the nature of George Floyd's death. I, I feel like we should be whispering this, Dr. Steve, because because we could get into trouble for telling the truth. Well, well Candace Owens is, 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 is yelling it out at the top of her lungs as we speak. So she or so we can whisper. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the guy died of a fentanyl overdose. Did the cops handle it properly? No. But he said he couldn't no, breathe. Right. He said he couldn't breathe from the moment he saw them. And, right. you know, they were just trying to restrain him until the ambulance came along. And, you know, from the moment uh, they stopped them to the moment uh, he passed away, he couldn't breathe. And that's classic symptoms of a fentanyl overdose. And I guess the -hmm. fact that he also had meth in his bloodstream probably wasn't uh, wasn't a real help and not to mention COVID-19. I mean, this guy had right. everything going against him. Right. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. He was not, uh, he was far from a paragon of virtue. And, and this is not just, you know, you and I just saying this again. I, like I mentioned, Candace Owens has been very, very vocal and very upset at why it is that uh, people we wouldn't want to live next door to were suddenly lionized and and given this deified this, yeah this martyr right i was thinking of martyrdom sainthood um you know thinking of trayvon martin uh and people like that or michael brown i mean these are these are some pretty bad dudes and uh so alas you know um regardless right again it's just it, the pattern is is the same the outrage the 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 wokeness whatever you want to call it just ends up destroying itself it's it's a very odd pattern, I have to admit. But in the end, I just think um, we we're all creatures of our, of our environment. And um, and you know, kudos to President Trump when the mayor of uh, or sorry, the governor of Minnesota came out asking for you know yeah. fourteen fifteen mil for reconstruction of a city, Minneapolis that he allowed uh, largely to uh, to fall apart. Uh, God bless Trump. He looked. I think he said on behalf of all all of us and basically told them, you know, screw you, bud, yeah, you, you, yeah. you made your bed. Now you got to sleep in it. And, and I think you're right too, in terms of just cities, we're actually seeing something akin to what's already been going on at a micro level. Cities have been imploding. It is called Silicon Valley, not Silicon city. All the, the great innovation seems to be moving out. Even, you know, um, uh, Elon Musk is now talking about, I, I think his new factory that he's opening up is indeed going to be in Texas. He's awesome. out of, you know, yeah, yeah. They're just, they're out of there. You know, they just want to be in, they want to, they want to breathe. They want to be in, um, 
I think even environmentalism is kind of playing into this. They want to be in clean air and they just want to be outside of these, these uh, small, uh, you know, infested cities. And we've been going through this via the network society. The network society is the internet based society where everything is increasingly being connected up to the internet, very much like everything got connected to, you know, an electrical grid and at the turn of the century. And so uh, as everything gets internet, um, scholars are saying just things are going to flatten out. We're no longer, we're, an industrialized urbanization is no longer necessary. And so we can basically live wherever we want and still have close contact like you and I are doing, you know, yeah. you're, you're in the South, I'm in the North, no problem. We can connect with each other. And so I think that's what, I think this is just going to exacerbate that process. Agreed. Hey, just going back to Minnesota's request for for disaster relief uh, for, for a self-inflicted wound effectively. Right. Uh, that's kind of like, uh, you know, you go and you take out an insurance policy on your wife or your spouse and then you go <laughs> blow their sure. brains out and then you say, all right, I'm here to collect for my policy. And they say it doesn't work that way. The only place where it does work that way is on Wall Street where you're allowed to buy all these uh, leveraged collateralized debt instruments, effectively take out insurance company on bonds and corporations and then set about destroying them. But outside of Wall Street, we don't really embrace <laughs> that type of behavior, do we? Right, 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 right. Well put, well put. And again, I and back in the day, I think this... This governor was used to, um, yeah, whoever was in the White House just capitulating and saying, all right, yes, we need you. We got to keep our economy roaring. And so our economy isn't dependent so much on our cities anymore. It's increasingly becoming a decentralized economy. And, uh, and uh, right, I mean, and, and, a, and a manufacturing based uh, economy. So with Trump bringing back manufacturing. Um, so, no, I, it was great. And I think Trump, again, and it just showed precisely why he's president in the first place. Yeah, great point. Hey, so Trump issued four executive orders, the main ones extending bonus unemployment $400 a week and uh, basically declaring a Social Security tax holiday, which will mm -hmm. effectively give people $1,200 that they wanted to give them in a rebate form anyways, even though it's probably unconstitutional and Trump knew it when he did it. He put the, mm -hmm. uh, the left, the Democrats into an impossible box to get out of. They're going to, they're going to sue to stop the aid going to their, their constituents who probably need it the most. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. It's brilliant politique. I mean, it was just because he, he's gotten and then he can go into uh, into the general election, basically saying, look at him. They're 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 actually I I made, gave an executive order to make sure you guys are financially taken care of during this time. And the Democrats are standing in the way of it. And then it's perfect. I mean, that's exactly what he needed for the, the, the political theater as it were. So, uh, no, I thought it was a really good move. I don't know who advised him on that one, but that, that was impressive. Hey, the only thing he could make me happier is if he sent me another thousand dollars without their permission <laughs> sure, too. Right. And I wonder why he that's didn't right. do it. I mean, basically it's totally un unconstitutional, but it's the type of stuff that Congress has been doing since the new deal. 
and getting away right. with now and the president right. now he does it and oh my god this is yeah their right, newfound, right, of course the democrats newfound love for the constitution that they've been trying their best <laughs> to destroy you know since woodrow wilson right 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 yeah yeah again i think a lot of it is more strategic i think you're right i think it's more strategic i bet they knew it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna pass muster but um but again just the theatrics of it uh, the optics of it i think everybody's pretty much agreed uh democrats look pretty petty as a result of this and trump looks uh, quite noble so that's what you need going into november yeah now they want to make a deal Oh yeah, let's. Oh sure, we can pass it. We're reasonable. Yeah, you know, we we don't have anything against Trump, and uh, you know, we the people have to get the money. But yeah, uh, I don't even know that they'll be able to stop it. And if they do attempt to stop it, and they and they're successful, then they're doubly screwed here because they right, wouldn't exactly, pass it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a certain just dessert here. Right. That's that's exactly right. Remember, they've pinned Democrats and Biden have pinned all their hopes on two things, the, the, the virus and the economy, the coronavirus and the economy. So they've married. One could say, too, they've married themselves to the race riots. But that that's there's the backlash there. We, we talked about that, I think, before in terms of we have a Princeton study that found that riots actually make America more conservative. People tend to be very put off by riots. They don't like seeing the, this kind of dis- destruction and lawlessness, and they tend to vote for the law and order candidate. And most, uh, and the polls show that most people associate Biden with the rioters and President Trump with law and order. So in the meantime, they're, they're stuck with the coronavirus and the economy. So they're doing everything they can to make the coronavirus as horrible as it is, which is so ironic given um, my video today is on the announcement from Russia, from, uh, from Putin on the uh, first official uh, vaccine being put forward and uh, regardless of the merits of it uh, the markets are already taking off the NBC is is pretty <laughs> impressed with with how you know S&P is going up the world markets are going up because all you need is just the talk just the perception of a successful vaccine to get everybody feeling like all right maybe we finally got this thing under control you see the markets go up you know you're seeing job growth go up July we saw nearly 2 million jobs. So, so the coronavirus is getting hit hard via vaccines. And we've got our own six different ones that we're about to put through that stage three process. And then the more vaccine talk you hear, the more the economy improves. And so the two uh, baskets that the Democrats have linked themselves with are both uh, appearing to be nothing but straw that's uh, falling apart. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about, the debate, if that's what you want to call it, about hydroxychloroquine. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm taking it now. I got a prescription. The beauty of telemedicine, Dr. Turley. You could just, oh, there uh, you go. Yeah, you just yeah. call the guy yeah. up and you tell him uh, you want to take it. And you got exposed to uh, coronavirus people, which I did. And, uh, you know, I've got high blood pressure. Oh, okay, no problem. Taking it 50 bucks later, I'm done. And then they even hook you up with a pharmacy that will actually ship the stuff to you. And you're done. Wow. I mean, I'm 63. I do have slightly high blood pressure, so it's treated. But you know what? If it'll cut my chances by 5 or 10 or maybe 60% preventing me from getting it, I'd be nuts not to take the stuff, being that it's a tried and true drug. Everybody takes zinc supplements. 
and why not do it? But yet the attacks on hydroxychloroquine and look, you're an academic, you know, the value of studies. We've got 51, probably more than that. That was as of last week, 51 studies says it works on outpatient people and people mildly infected and also works on healthcare workers to not get the, uh, the virus. And then you've got uh, Jim Acosta saying it doesn't work. And in my way, and 16 studies which were, were done at the wrong time during the progression of the virus. And you know, and you got the media telling you, no, it doesn't work. And you got uh, Dr. Deep State Fauci there. You don't know what he's saying, whether he thinks it works or not, other than it hasn't been a double-blind study. And how do you justify a double-blind study when you know that uh, – if it works for some and it doesn't work for others, that you basically kill those other people in the name of medical progress, right? FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Arcana Corporation is on the verge of bringing the world's highest grade silver mine into production. The Revenue Virginius Mine in Colorado has proven improbable silver reserves grading nearly 37 ounces per ton silver with an all-in sustaining production cost of only US $8 per ounce of silver. The mine is fully permitted with infrastructure already in place and the company has announced they plan to commence production in 2020. Achieving successful production usually results in a significant upward share price re-rating on the Lassonde curve. Arcana trades under the ticker AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. To learn more, go to arcana.com. That's A U R C A N A.com. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Right, right. You have that Yale epidemiologist uh, who Rish. was just, yes, Dr. Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think that interview he had on CNN really says it all. It was an ambush interview. Uh, it was uh, via an interviewer who doesn't, who doesn't have a medical degree, doesn't know the first thing about what he's talking about. And all of a sudden he felt he arrogated to himself uh, to be the defender of uh, this new supposed standard that all you know experimental drugs are supposed to go through and uh, Dr. Rich was like you know that this is that's not how it works and he wouldn't listen to him because the narrative had already been set up and therefore the conclusion had already been set he actually didn't even let him at once I don't know if you saw that interview he didn't even at one point allow the doctor to give the evidence for why uh, he had concluded that hydroxychloroquine was effective in treating coronavirus. So you're right. I mean, this is not about science. This is, about, this is purely about politics. And I think one of the things they tried to do very early on was drive a wedge between President Trump and, and his medical advisors. Uh, they wanted to put Trump over on the side of the, you know, the irrational nationalist populist xenophobe. And then they put the doctors on the side of, you know, the very rational uh, empirical globalists. And they did the same thing with Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, the president there in the nationalist. They call him the, the uh, tropical Trump. He's, a, he's an amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing fellow. Well, he ended up getting, he contracted coronavirus and he, he did exactly what you did. He took a hydrochloroquine, uh, you know, procedure to uh, uh, therapy to, to deal with it. And he came out with flying colors. He actually videotaped himself taking his last hydroxychloroquine <laughs> pill with a big smile and said, sorry, you're not getting ready, rid of me yet. And then the 
El Salvador president, who's also a nationalist populist, he actually came out and said, you know, they're not telling you this, but most of the world leaders are taking hydroxychloroquine right now. So, yeah, yeah the media, the media was trying to create this notion that our president is this unhinged, you know, um, you know, believer in voodoo, witchcraft, nationalist populism. And then you've got these very sound, rational scientists on the other side. And it just didn't work. Most people saw it as a very forced uh, attempt at dichotomy. And, you know, in the end, I think everyone recognizes for, for better, for ill, you know, that this is this is a very weird virus. It is really aggressive in some instances. It seems passive in others. It's really hard to figure out. And like any enemy that's really hard to figure out, we, we'd better not get too bogged down in any kind of particular dogma, like a shutdown dogma or, mm-hmm. you know, or even herd, uh, you know, immunity uh, dogma, too. I mean, we just got to kind of play with it and see what's going on. And then now with the with the talk uh, all today of uh, a possible a very real vaccine that's being opened up to the general public via Russia, that, you know, again, it's just giving us a sense of, OK, let's let's get past this. Let's move on. Let's rebuild the economy. And nobody trusts uh, anyone to do that better than Trump. Yeah. And if you look at it, the, if the virus really is this uh, great uh, amplifier or booster for a very weak candidate named uh, crumbling Joe Biden, and <laughs> then effectively they're using uh, people with the virus as pawns to enhance or in an effort to enhance Biden's electability. And that is the ultimate in cynicism and think if the studies are right, if those 51 studies, most notably the one from the Henry Ford uh, medical system up in Michigan, if they're right and the people didn't get this and they could have been helped, it's to me, it's almost as bad as Cuomo, Killer Cuomo right. and right. and Murphy the murderer and uh, Eva Braun Whitmer sending uh, infected patients to nursing homes. It's really up there with that, isn't it? Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, again, people are dying because of a of a political paradigm that was being imposed on the data. And uh, and it's yeah, it can be very, very dangerous. Again, ideology is a dangerous thing. So, again, seeing it in relation to, say, BLM advocates where they'll turn around and they'll give evidence after evidence and and, and statistic and data after data showing all of these social disparities. And then they turn around and say, and it's all racism. Racism is doing it. And like Thomas Sowell turned around and say, isn't it interesting that when you give your explanation, your diagnosis, suddenly all the data disappears. <laughs> it's, it's just a pure ideological uh, you know, sentiment, nothing more. And I think, again, we're seeing something uh, akin to that, where you have this broken record of a CNN reporter uh, interviewing. I mean, it's not even an interview. I mean, it's, it's a discredit view. I guess maybe we could so yeah. try and just trying to discredit a, a, a Yale epidemiologist who's been doing this a long time and has just a different point of view to be able to just um, use uh, to weaponize data the way he did is uh, is a clear sign of ideology trumping the science. Yeah. And a, a complete and total breakdown in uh, ethics.
ethics, medical ethics, where the first thing. Oh, yeah. All those. Yeah. yeah. Those broke down years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Do no harm. Do no harm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, So one of the things that most impresses me about you is your embrace, embracement of classic liberal education, which is kind of the cure to cutting through the CNNs of the world. Now, you've got like a list of books that you uh, give out and you sell, sell packages of books. Could you just tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. So there is an educational renaissance going on today. A lot of people don't even know about, but I think you're right. I mean, I think that's one of the major places where we're going to need, if we're going to be successful in our cultural renewal, we're going to need an educational renewal. We have to remember that, you know, uh, cultural Marxism made its way through the veins of our, of our nation, through the university system right after world war two, the Frankfurt school came on, over and they were rabid cultural Marxists and through the GI Bill everybody started going to the universities and guess what they were learning they were learning cultural Marxism so if we want to change our culture we need to change our our education so yeah I have if you go to our website uh, turleytalks.com there are a number of books that help parents or anyone who's interested grandparents and uh, students alike on uh, what's the difference between between uh, classical education, the education, for example, of our, every single one of our founding fathers, and the more modern education, the 20th century education uh, that has produced, uh, and I think is intended to produce, and sort of left-wing radicals. So I have a book called Classical Versus Modern Education, and we've got uh, books on beauty and the importance of learning the aesthetic nature of life. Uh, Um, In the classical scheme of things, the two most important things that an educated person needed to acquire was wisdom and virtue. Wisdom was an understanding of nature and nature's God, as our founding fathers would put it, sort of the divine order in the world. And then virtue was ordering our loves and our desires in accordance with that divine meaning and purpose. So I like to use the example with my students that, you know, if... uh, you know, it's good to love a baby and it's good to love a ham sandwich, but if they're both falling and I rush to save the ham sandwich, that's bad. <laughs> and it's bad because I've dislodged my loves, my desires, my inclinations, my dispositions from God's divine economy of goods. And so the founding fathers recognized that things like, you know, liberty and civic virtue and so on were, were essential for a flourishing human society. But you can only do that if you if there is a deep understanding and indeed a deep love what we would call a beauty and an attraction to what is good and what is true and so that's why wisdom and virtue were so important wisdom and virtue don't factor in the least in modern education you know you know wisdom and virtue don't get you into college as they say so um so we've got packages like yeah classical versus modern education beauty matters uh, the coming rise of Christian education. We're seeing an uh, educational renaissance, particularly in parochial education. I give some of the, not just here in the United States, but actually in Europe as well. It's really quite exciting. So they can go to the website and see uh, see books just like that. And also um, another one that's very popular is a book called Awakening Wonder. It's a classic guide to truth, goodness, and beauty. 
All right. Well, you're really doing a service bringing that back, although it never totally went away. Um, right. right. My, da- my daughter actually uh, went to BU and their first uh, two years were at the College of General Studies, which was strictly liberal arts. And she was really unhappy because they had no grade inflation. And she literally was reading a couple of classics a week. But it uh, it did more to broaden her, even though she's on the wrong side of most issues. But in terms of her ability to think, reason, and in terms of her writing skills, all of that, it just goes so far. Hey, one right. final question, then we'll let you get on with your day. Your, through your YouTube channel, which is getting more and more popular, you are now officially at the center of the cultural wars that are taking place. When you were a young uh, kid, uh, you know, going through school, I know you were on the 700 Club at one time uh, singing. Did you ever think you were going to become a cultural warrior in the midst of all this? <laughs> that's, that's, that is a great question. Um, well, of course, the answer was no. Uh, and I just I actually just came back from a classical school conference. And uh, one of the speakers there is a fellow by the name of George Grant. And he said something beautiful. Uh, George Grant is a, a, a theologian and a pastor as well as a scholar and uh, writer. I think he's written like 40 books. It's amazing. And he and he said something beautiful. He said, do you realize that... God, the God of the universe has appointed us, all of us, to be the generation of this time. <laughs> he put <laughs> us here at this time for a reason. And I remember when he said that, that just gave me chills. You know, I just, I, the more I think about it, the more I realize, you know, God, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. Uh, and, <laughs> and I am about as crooked as That's they come. Great. And uh, no, I, back in the day, I thought I was going to be a, a guitar player. I was into rock guitar for a while. Then I got into classical guitar and did some competitions, got on the 700 club. And, um, but it was after, yeah, there was really a conversion for me, both a moral conversion, spiritual conversion, cultural conversion. I used to be a real lefty and, um, but I knew it didn't work. I always knew it didn't work deep in my heart. And then, and then I was able to start to see the world rightly, but it, you know, you have to put yourself back together again, start reading again and start right. getting a sense of the way the world really is. And then the more I did that and the more I studied and then got into academia and the like, started doing the PhD, the more I did that, the more I felt, boy, I really need to share with people just how exciting of a time we're actually living in. Yeah, it's creepy and crazy and insane, but in many ways, it's a world that's kind of blowing apart because a new world is emerging and that world promises to be far more nationalist, populist, traditionalist, far more conservative than the world we have thus far been in. And so, yeah, so I, you're right. I end up in the center. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I get to meet guys like you and all our listeners. They're, they're the best. I just see all of us as just one big family and army, you know, that uh, support each other. And um, we're going to do just fine. Again, it's crazy. We get, we get spit on a lot. There's a lot of verbal violence thrown our way. Um, but uh, just, you know, again, from, from a biblical perspective, consider it all joy. Rejoice when you're persecuted, you know, for righteousness sake. It's, uh, it's, it's a good badge of honor to have. I couldn't agree with you more. 
and managing your mental state in these times is the most important thing. I've talked to people who are really depressed during the whole lockdown, the pandemic, all the nonsense we've been through, the riots, and just said, hey, I haven't really been down for a minute. I've felt like I'm reinvigorated. I know what my purpose is, you know, helping people to uh, to deal with these financial end times, if you will. And, right. and and I've never felt more more of a purpose and more direction in my life than now. So I totally empathize with you there. TurleyTalks.com, go there. Uh, podcast, YouTube channel, books, a whole bunch of stuff there that I think you will find very, very helpful. Questions for the good doctor, just email us, kl at com. Go to our website, sign up for a free newsletter. That's financialsurvivalnetwork.com. And uh, Dr. Steve, it is always an unbelievable honor and pleasure to have you on the show and for you to share your knowledge and wisdom with us. We wish you the best and we'll be faithfully watching both of your daily YouTubes uh, till whenever. All right. Thanks so much, Carrie. The honor's all mine. I, the privilege is mine. I, I really appreciate it. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next.